Tonight, if you have them, or turn in your phone to Psalm the 73rd chapter. If you don't have either one of those, it'll be on the screen. Psalm chapter 73, a setting of scripture I have read several hundred times, taught Bible studies out of this, preached out of this, but hopefully tonight with a, with a new taste or two, a revelation that means something to you as it did me. Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I'm jumping down to verse 22 of the same chapter. So foolish was I and ignorant I was like a beast before thee. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Verse 25 is something we could all praise the Lord about. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire Besides you, Lord, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I'm going to just title this from the first four words of verse number one. Truly, God is good. Thank you, precious Lord, for your word tonight. Your people that are in this house, the spirit of God that leads us and comforts us and feeds our soul. Renew our mind is our desire tonight, God. Our desire is to be in your presence to the point where our mind is renewed. Bless, encourage, salvage, heal, feed, shepherd, and make us different than we came. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. God bless you. Look at somebody and say, truly, God is good. You may be seated. I talked last week, some of you might remember, about remembering the goodness of God. Can I hear somebody? Remembering the goodness of God. Tonight I want to talk to you simply from the thought, truly God is good. And more importantly, I want to talk about what does that mean to you and I? We all say amen when we say God is good. But what do we mean by that? Something good happened in your life lately? Does that mean God is good now? Truly, God is good. And what does that mean for you and for myself? In Job 21, 15, the scripture said, What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? Ever felt like that? What is going on here in this in this storybook of my life, this chapter of my life? And is there any profit if I seek God through the avenue of prayer? I personally believe that people experience the goodness of God every day that they live, and they just don't know what to do with it. Saints of God and sinners alike experience the goodness of God, and many just don't know what to do with it. But truly, God is good. Maybe 
By, by the word goodness, we could be in that vein of thought where it be his mercy. That's a good thing. Or him keeping his promises. That's a good thing. His patience with me. That's a good thing. But before we get too far along in what it means to you and I, let's look at a couple things about the author of Psalm 73. The man's name was Asaph. A-S-A-P-H. Asaph. Asaph was the praise and worship leader in the temple when David was the king. Asaph was an important man to David. Asaph, and we have leaders here that are kind of by committee. In Major League Baseball, if you have, uh, you have like, I don't know, what, 11, 10, 11 men on the pitching staff, Brother Rick, many of them are designated to start, and about half of them are designated to be in the bullpen or relievers. And every team, every professional team, has what they call a closer in the bullpen. He's the guy that comes in and he seals the deal, shuts down the other team, or hopefully he does. The more success they have, the more his reputation becomes known. They're very important people, very important. We kind of have a leadership, worship leadership here by committee. We have two or three precious sisters that do a wonderful job. They're always in tune. They're always praying. And if they weren't all of those things, I wouldn't have them up here. It's not so they can showcase their talents to you. It's so they can get us all ready to hear the word of God and work on our hearts through song and praise. Well, Asaph was that man to David. When David went to church, he would hear the constant voice of Asaph leading in the temple, the praise and worship. He led the music, he led the songs, he led the worship. Asaph was a vital team member in David's experience at the house of God. Asaph also authored 12 psalms in your Bible. But as Psalm 73 conveys, sometimes he's up. Sometimes he's down. He's a man of faith, but sometimes he's not always up. Is it all right to say it this way to you? Sometimes people can have all kind of faith in God and still have troubles going on within them. You tell me, you show me somebody that says, I never have problems. I'll show you somebody that's hiding something. Or they just don't want to talk about their weaknesses. And either way, that's their business. I get it. But Asaph was the worship leader, the tempo setter, the trend setter. He watched people file into the house of God and prayed, God, I hope I've chosen the right choruses tonight. I hope I've chosen the right words to pray over this people tonight or today. He was that person. Never underestimate, ladies, the importance of your job when you're up here leading worship. Never underestimate. God has changed my mind and direction untold numbers of times, all because of the choruses you choose or the words you express or how you lead us. Asaph was an important man, and he was a man of great faith, a man that had David's trust about his ministry, and yet he's revealing here some struggle going on internally. If you don't believe in revealing your struggles, and I don't mean crying on everybody's willing shoulder, but I mean just once in a while expressing yourself in the terms of reality, then you're going against what some many men did in the Bible. Because it's in there for a reason and a purpose. To show us that even good, praying, godly men and women can struggle internally. 
You know why we're shown that? So that we don't give up thinking, I must be a freak. I must be a monster. I must be a bad person. I must be evil. And God doesn't love me anymore. So we look in the word and and this Asaph is saying, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Even to anybody whose heart is right, God is good to them. Hmm. Asaph got to know the familiar faces. Here's sister so-and-so. There's brother such-and-such. There's their kids. There's their parents. All faithfully coming to the house of God. And Asaph also got to watch David come. And David would worship God without fear or reservation. Brother Tossin, it's my prayer. And I don't know if at my age I haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if I ever will. But I hope I do to where I can come to the house of God and worship him with my mouth and my body and my mind and not worry about what anybody thinks. Not care about what young people think or elders think. Not care what the church board thinks or the ministry team thinks. He saw David come and dance before the Lord with all of his might. Asaph watched his leader do that. All the while harboring inward struggles. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Point number one I want to make tonight. The goodness of God does not belong to any individual. It doesn't belong to any corporation. Hello, Pentecost. It doesn't belong to any denomination or any organization. No human owns the goodness of God. Truly, God is good, period. The fact that truly God is good is the revelation of his nature. Galatians 5, 22 and 3 talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Well, those are literally the nature of the characteristics of God's nature, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, he would on the say, have crucified the flesh. Oh, mercy. Point being this. No one can turn on or off or away from or to the goodness of God at their own personal will. It belongs to God because it's part of his nature. So when someone tells you on the job that doesn't go to any church or any church that we are familiar with, maybe they're just agnostic out there, but they get a little revelation. Good things are happening. Good things are going on lately. And maybe they say, you know, I think God's been good to me. They have every right to such a testimony because no one owns the goodness of God. That fly, that at camp meeting, huh? But because of verse 1, I do believe this. Because of his words in verse 1, I do believe that the greatest demonstration, the greatest exhibition, the greatest display of God's goodness is revealed to those who have a good heart. While God can give his goodness to anyone with a, a good heart or a bad heart, the psalmist said here, even or more so to those who are good in their heart. Do you have a good heart tonight? Or a sinister heart? A good heart or a dishonest heart? 
Because everybody knows this. God will always bless truth over a lie every day of the week. God will always bless reality over hypocrisy, goodness over bad. He says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But verse 2, I just, even though it's a negative, I love how he starts these verses off. But as for me. Now let's make this personal, Asaph is saying. Understanding what his job is what the role of his job is and how it plays out in the everyday experience of Israel, in the house of God, in the church, in the flock, amongst the group. But as for me, meaning I see God's goodness in you, but let me talk to you about my life. Maybe lost in sin, we all were. Couldn't even help ourselves get better when we wanted to. He said, my feet were were, were well gone and my steps well nice had slipped. I was stumbling around with nothing solid to grab or walk on in my life. An addict, a liar, maybe steeped in some worldly error. Truly God is good, but then there's my story. He disqualifies himself from the goodness of God. Did you hear me? He's saying, everybody I see, the goodness of God, I see it on Brother Trace. I see it on Sister Melissa. I see it on Sister Jessica and Brother Rob. I see the goodness of God. But as for me, I'm up here in a deeper vein, he's saying. I'm in a different dimension. I've got greater responsibilities in every church service than maybe many of you do. This is Asaph. But as for me, I'm disqualifying myself from the goodness of God. And then he tells us why in verse 3. Because I was envious. I was envious. At the condition of the wicked. I had a misguided attitude. I was counseling myself. This just isn't right. I know how hard I work. I know how good these people are. I know how precious they sacrifice routinely. And I see wicked people prospering above us. Why is that, Pastor? You got me. Rains on the just and the unjust. God's goodness isn't strictly designed for this building and this group of people. Thank God we have the goodness of God. We should never act like we're the only ones. But this is what constantly meditating on our own struggles will do. It creates an envy in my life. Look what I'm dealing with. Look what I'm having to go through. I've told young preachers by the many dozens over the years, maybe more than that, you still have to get up there and do your job. You may have just had knocked down drag out with your wife or husband or mama or daddy. And you still got a job to do. You can't get up there and let everybody else know. You just got to smile and sing and worship and preach and teach. <laughs> and Asaph says, as we read in verse 22, I saw myself in a foolish light. I was ignorant. I didn't have the knowledge to help myself. I was like an animal in the presence of God. 
That's he saying, this is how I viewed myself. I was foolish. I was unlearned. I was animalistic. But thank you, Jesus. If you hang around the church long enough, if you hang around prayer meeting long enough, if you make it to Sunday morning service often enough, if you worship God through, through things you're going through, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Eventually, the winds of refreshing blow in your direction. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you wake up with a little more joy than you had yesterday or last week. It's just the winds of refreshing that God does not have to check with me if I'm ready to receive them. But the Bible said, truly, God is good. What does that mean? If you walk in tomorrow morning just feeling like the day is good. I just feel good today. Anybody get up feeling like that once in a while at least? This is going to be a good day. I feel awesome today. Why is it so good? I don't know. It just is. Usually when I say that's because I'm, I'm feeling it. It's a feeling. It's spilling over into my emotions. I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling positive right now. And listen, I value every moment, every one of those moments. You should too. But what does the goodness of God mean? What is truly God is good? What's the statement he's making? How do we apply that? It means simply this, that if we embrace his characteristics, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine of them in the Bible. They're called the fruit of the Spirit. If we embrace the goodness of God, if we immerse ourselves in the presence of God through prayer, through devotions, when you read your Bible, if you embrace or immerse yourself, we are the ones that are benefiting. I'll put it this way. We become better when we embrace the characteristics of God. So when we say God is good, it means I'm embracing that moment right now. I feel, maybe I can't put it into words that convince you, but I feel the characteristic of God's good nature. No, I don't have everything I want. No, I don't have everything I've prayed for. But I sense in my emotions the presence of God's good nature. That's why poor people can say God is good and it don't matter. That's why broke people that are behind in their bills can say, God is good, and it still don't matter. That's why people that don't have all their health tonight, Brother Tossa, can say, God is good, because they're, they're tapping into, they're embracing the characteristic of God's nature. Because God is good, and that means he will always act in alignment with his character. I want to say it again. Because one of the nature's one of the characteristics of God, nature is goodness. So God will always act in alignment with that nature. He'll never not be good. He'll never, you'll never catch God when he's not good. Now he knows that I'm just flesh. God gives me those inspirational moments. So I, I react out of feelings, and you might say, well, it's more than feelings to serve God. I, I get it, but there is a feeling involved once in a while. That's why we clap our hands and raise our hands and, and sing out loud, because there's a feeling involved in my emotions. 
That's why some of you are maybe soft, uh, soft in your public demonstration of worship. I soft, I mean in a good way. You're not physical. You're not running around. You're, you're just in yourself, your own little vein of worship. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. That's your way. But I guarantee you, when we get to heaven, every emotional extreme that's good will be on display before the throne of God. We will not be, we will not be inhibited. We will not be obstructed. We will not be blocked. When someone says in heaven, I don't know if they will, but oh God, you've been good. I'll feel it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I don't need a good day. I don't need a raise. I don't need a, a benefit at work. <laughs> so when we embrace his characteristic, we become better because of that. That's why we can say God is good. I'm better when I'm living in and when I'm embracing the goodness or the character of God. Hmm. God will always act with goodness. That makes me better. That makes you better. I'd certainly say you're better than if you were without the goodness of God, wouldn't you? But verse 23 again, please. Plenty of the things you remember in life. I hope we never forget the goodness of God, but I also remember when I first started preaching, an elder took me aside, and and he he did it in love, and so I I remembered it made a, it made an impression on me, but he I must have had a nervous night, because he said, you know how many times you said nevertheless in your message tonight, I remember that it was decades ago. I'm like I don't know, but I guess obviously you were counting. I mean, so overdid it, right? I just overdid it. Nevertheless. You're going to think about that every time you read that now. <laughs> David said, in spite of all of that, or excuse me, Asaph said, in spite of all that I'm harboring, my envy for people that prosper, that in my opinion should not be prospering, wicked people. I'm just telling you what he said. That they're prospering. And, and Asaph said, I'm up here leading service, and I'm bothered by people that are prospering, that are living wrong. That's how I'd put it. That's how I, in what we see in his words. Mm. You say, oh, pastor, why don't you ask me to be the worship leader? They got it made. I've seen them walk in with their husbands. And when they ask me for a night off, I'm like, yeah, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? I preached a hundred times mad at, well, anyway. <laughs> We're humans. And if we let emotions take us out of being in the presence of God, then the devil's winning the game. The devil's winning. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, you've held my hand. You've held my hand. Think about this. Here's this man. He's he's. He's expressing everything going on inside, and he starts out with all that's really bothering him. But the longer he talks and the longer he writes, he turns around to, to the good things going on. 
He said, I do realize this, God, that even though there were days out there, I didn't even want you in my life. You had me by the hand. I won't even ask you tonight if you felt like that because that's all of our story. Sooner or later you realize, even when you did not want God interrupting your life, he had a hold of your hand. He was leading you and guiding your steps. So never quit praying for those loved ones. Don't ever quit praying for them. Even though they may to your face mock your God, he is holding their hand tonight. He is holding their hand because of his precious nature. Jesus has held your hand. Verse 24, as we read, it says, You will guide me with counsel or instruction and receive me into glory. Now he's prophesying. He went from angry and aggravated and agitated at what he saw. Constantly sees in here. Complaining. To worshiping. Now he's prophesying. Now he's predicting. He went from griping to worshiping. Now he's preaching to himself right now. He's preaching to himself. Brother Rob, if I've told you and the others once, I've told you I don't know how many times. It so often happens that when you're up here speaking, something, if you're listening at all, something you say, may not be two things, may not be four, but something you say is going to convict you, yourself. Now he's prophesying about what's going to happen. You guide me. You'll receive me up into glory. And then he just confesses, in heaven, God, there's nobody I have but you. Verse 25, I've got nobody but Jesus. Pastor, I'd be doing better if you were more uh, in my life and more, more of this or that. Brother, let me tell you something. When the bottom of the line is exposed and rubber meets the road, the only one we really got is Jesus tonight. That's all we need. He said, whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth I desire beside you. Verse 26, because you are my strength forever. Now, I don't know if I missed this or not, but the word Asaph means gatherer of the people. The name Asaph means gatherer of the people. So when you get up here, all right, folks, it's time. We start church. He's gathering. She's gathering. They're doing that type of thing. Well, his name stood for that, gatherer of the people. And it's just like these words spoken to my spirit lately. If you want to help gather instead of divide, if you want to help group instead of divide, there's two things you need to do. I'm talking about how I felt in my own spirit. I'm, not, I'm offering this to you, but this was, was to me in the initial part. Don't complain about the ways of God. And two, embrace the characteristics of God. Because what we're suffering with today, tomorrow we might be rejoicing out of. Whether I believe it or not, whether I can demonstrate to you and explain to you why, the Bible said, truly, God is good. We don't have to argue the point. I don't have to do anything else to prove the point. Truly, God 
is good. And I want to help gather the saints. The old song said, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. I want to be a gatherer, a collector, not an owner, but a gatherer. It's time to come together in worship. It's time to come together in praise. Well, I'd sing louder if she hadn't said that about me. Let it down. It's, it's time to worship God, to, to, to embrace the characteristics of God. I don't know how they can be happy. They, they're so broke, how can they possibly have joy? Because they've got the characteristics of God. That's why they know the nature of God. They don't drive a nice car like we do. They don't live in a home like I do. They may be in a shelter somewhere tonight, but they have the right to have the praise of God on their lips. Because it's not due to what we possess. It's the connection we make to the characteristics of God. That's why when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, quote from the scripture, gift of the Holy Ghost. And God doesn't give bad gifts. Every gift God gives us precious gifts. But when you receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, every one of those natures, those characteristics of his nature become yours. They become part of your daily routine and access to God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I don't have all the peace I want, but I've sure got a lot more peace today than I did when I was some of your ages. Sooner or later, Brother David Needham, it's all going to be okay. God's going to work it out. Just got to cling to his nature. Got to cling to his goodness. Got to cling to his loving kindness and his mercy. Truly, God is good. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy tonight. Thank you for your precious people in the house, Lord. Thank you for every soul, young, old, rich, or poor. Every heart, God, that has a prayer on their lips, a praise in their heart for you. Thank you for them. I ask you to renew their mind, encourage their heart, strengthen their soul, and reveal to them how they can so easily access the characteristics of your nature. That we need that mercy. We need that compassion. We need that pity of God, that grace of God that bringeth salvation, as Paul put it. Truly, God is good. Why can I say that? Because I've tapped into his nature. I've accessed his characteristics. And God is good. God is good. God is so good. Hallelujah. Would you just in your own way?